Welcome to Weekend Ag Matters from the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network. Join us for an in-depth look at Iowa agriculture. Here's your host, Riley Smith. Welcome to this week's edition of Weekend Ag Matters. I'm Riley Smith. Russ Parker, Dustin Huffman, and Mark Magnuson will all join us later on in the show. As for right now, let's start with a quick look at the news headlines. The highly pathogenic avian influenza outbreak is causing a short supply of eggs, leading to higher prices for consumers. According to American Farm Bureau Federation economist Barrett Nelson, the key factor in the price change is the inventory of laying hens. Avian influenza has really affected now just over 58 million birds since it began about a year ago in February of 2022. Egg prices have skyrocketed recently with the national averages up right around 49% from last year. So consumers have been paying, in some cases, nearly double what they had in past years. So what's causing the rise in egg prices? Really the decreased layer inventory due to avian influenza. That's the primary factor. On top of that, egg demand is projected to increase 7% this year. Nelson said supplies would need to move higher in order to lower those prices. What would have to happen for a slowdown in prices to occur would be a slowdown in the outbreaks of avian influenza. So what we'll really be watching for is a slowdown in avian influenza going into the spring months so that the inventory has some time to rebuild. That would be most helpful in keeping prices down. Nelson said that poultry farmers are also facing increased production costs. These outbreaks have been devastating. When we talk about an outbreak occurring on a farm where you're faced with the risk of depopulation, that combined with the effects of increased input costs, and that really increases break-even prices, especially when we think about covering our cost of production. The most recent case of HPAI in Iowa was confirmed this week in a commercial turkey flock in Buena Vista County. If producers suspect signs of HPAI in their flocks, they should contact their veterinarian immediately. Possible cases must also be reported to the Iowa Department of Agriculture and Land Stewardship at 515-281-5305. In other news, former Iowa Governor and U.S. Ambassador Terry Branstad will be leading the World Food Prize Foundation. Earlier this week, the World Food Prize Foundation announced that former U.S. Ambassador to China Terry Branstad will join the organization as its president. Established by Nobel Peace Prize laureate Dr. Norman E. Borlaug, the World Food Prize is considered the preeminent award for global agriculture and celebrates breakthrough achievements in combating hunger and enhancing food security around the world. We are excited to bring on a leader with both global vision and strong roots in agriculture, Paul Schickler, chair of the World Food Prize Foundation, said. Ambassador Branstad, who was serving as governor of Iowa when John Ruin Sr. rescued the World Food Prize and moved it to Iowa, has been a champion of our mission from its earliest days. He was an especially strong supporter of the World Food Prize Foundation's Iowa Youth Institute, which encourages high school students across this state to pursue STEM subjects. We greatly look forward to him coming on board. Branstad also was an instrumental member of a bipartisan collaboration of Iowa governors, along with Governors Robert Ray, Tom Vilsack, and Chet Culver, that resulted in the creation of the Iowa Hunger Summit, which gathers leaders and hunger fighters to confront food insecurity issues across the state. Branstad was preceded at the World Food Prize Foundation by Barbara Stinson, who served three years as president of the organization before her departure this month. 
Stinson is credited with leading the organization and its noted International Borlaug Dialogue and Laureate Award Ceremony through pandemic-related challenges and bolstering World Food Prize Foundation youth programs that give high school students a chance to work around the globe with world-renowned scientists. And that's all the time we have for news headlines this week. Check out the rest of our daily news stories on iowaagnet.com. We'll go ahead and kick it over to Russ Parker with his faith-based Food for Thought right here on Weekend Ag Matters. I made an appointment to get the oil changed into my truck this week, and I also asked if they would patch a hole in my ATV tire. I ran over a corn stalk recently, and it did a number on that tire. Ever had a flat tire? I'll bet we all have, and they always seem to come at the most inappropriate times, right? Living on a gravel road, I've walked out to the garage too many times to count after the maintainer has gone by to find a tire flat or leaking air. And it seems even if it was the only nail or screw or piece of wire on the whole road, somehow it found a way into my tire. But air and inflation is actually a pretty cool thing. I watched an ad for a product that used compressed air to jack up a car. The device looked like a miniature Michelin tire man that was put underneath the frame and you basically filled the bladder with air. And voila, vehicle tire was lifted off the ground. And when I was a kid, I had a model rocket. I can't recall the brand, but it was launched with compressed air. And that thing went up like over 200 feet in the air. But it seemed like the descent was a little sketchy. I remember repair with glue was often needed. And let's see, what else in our lives requires air to either keep it inflated or operate? Well, balloons for one need air, and some water toys like rafts or tubes require air. And I've seen rafts used on the water, some even propelled by a motor, that are inflated. And how about an air mattress? Well, self-explanatory. And our lungs need to be filled with air. And I remember what Mr. Miyagi said in his famous line from Karate Kid. And it's really an important life lesson when he said, breathe in and breathe out. And isn't it remarkable how our bodies operate on such a simple principle of repetitive inflate and deflate? And it struck me while I watched the EMTs perform CPR on Damar Hamlin just how important it is to inflate, deflate, repeat. And you know what? It's no different in our spiritual lives. There's a song whose lyrics include, This is the air I breathe, your holy presence living in me. Breathe in and breathe out. Food for thought, I hope. This is Russ Parker. Have a blessed day. Thanks, Russ. That's it for segment one of this week's episode. Coming up after this short break, Dustin has his monthly chat with Iowa Ag Secretary Mike Nag. This is Weekend Ag Matters. Every detail matters when building a winning game plan. That's why the Cyclones and Hawkeyes rely on better, cleaner-now biodiesel to power their team buses on game days, delivering success on the field, in the field, and in the environment. Make biodiesel part of your game plan by visiting iasoybeans.com. Biodiesel. Request it. Grow it. Use it. 
This message brought to you by the Iowa Soybean Association and the Soybean Checkoff. Welcome back to Weekend Ag Matters. Here's your host, Dustin Hoffman. Welcome back to Weekend Ag Matters from the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network. I'm Dustin Huffman, back from 12 days in Brazil, and we'll have much more on that at iowaagnet.com. But, of course, getting back on the last weekend of January means we're going to have our sit-down with Iowa Ag Secretary Mike Nag and hear the latest of what's going on. Well, we are talking with Iowa Ag Secretary Mike Nag for our monthly chat here in January. And, Secretary, how are things going for you? Oh, very good. Always good to visit. And uh, the year is off with a, a bang here as we get legislative session kicked off. And I tell you what, it's been kind of nice to uh, to see some precipitation falling across the state. It makes me optimistic that we might have a little better weather year coming up for uh, 2023 as well. I know that's something uh, farmers around here are definitely sharing that optimism. And of course, as you start a new year, you have a new member on your team. Why don't we start there? Tell us about who you got joining there. I do. And I, I, I'm very blessed because I've got wonderful people who work with me. I'm proud to lead a, a very talented team at the Iowa Department of Ag and Land Stewardship. And one of those key roles uh, is the deputy secretary. And, and uh, so uh, we, we just had a, a, new, a new member of our staff uh, join, Grant Menke. Uh, is my new deputy secretary. Started at the beginning of the, the calendar year. Grant's somebody uh, well-known in Iowa agriculture, uh, spending quite a bit of time with Corn Growers Renewable Fuels Association, and uh, had spent time as USDA Rural Development Director as well. And so comes with a great experience and uh, well, well-versed well in all of the types of agriculture issues that we'll see at the department. So really happy to have him on our team. And of course, you mentioned legislative sessions you know, underway here now in Iowa. Things are off and running. What kind of things are you really hoping for as far as an agricultural front uh, that you want to see hopefully accomplished this year? You know, I think on the ag front, uh, really in Iowa, it, it could be a pretty quiet year. Uh, it, and that's because the last couple of years have been very active. You know, we've over the last few years secured long-term dedicated water quality funding. Very happy about that. And, and we're making good use of those dollars. Uh, you know, last year, significant tax reform in the state of Iowa, lowering our, our income tax. Uh, ultimately, it'll be down to a 3.9% flat rate. But there's also some provisions that are very favorable for our agriculture uh, community, for farmers and for retirees in Iowa as well, no longer taxing retirement income in the state. So those have been very, very good things for, uh, for agriculture. And then the signature ag piece of legislation last year was around biofuels and establishing the first of its kind uh, standard for uh, making E15 and higher blends of biodiesel available at fueling stations across the state. So it was a very, very active year last year, really looking this year at a, a quieter session, perhaps some additional property tax relief that could be worked through. And then really for my priorities, I'm focused on some additional resources to support our animal industries team here as we work to improve our ability to respond to, you know, high path avian influenza or African swine uh, fever. And then, uh, of course, the other signature piece that we'll be looking at is fully funding phase two of the Iowa State University Vet Diagnostic Lab. The governor just uh, announced that she would be allocating $40 million uh, from uh, ARP, ARP funding, uh, federal dollars. And now we've got to go secure the, the rest of it, the $20 million that we need to finish the project from the legislature. So, Livestock, I think, will be uh, heavy on our minds and foreign animal disease prevention and preparedness. 
you know, when you got to talk to the legislature about, you know, this animal disease prevention, as much as you hate to have it around, I mean, having the backdrop of the avian influenza helps maybe put a sense of urgency into the legislature and help them understand that, you know, we need to make sure that funding is there because, you know, uh, it's been back. It's been back this fall. We're not sure. We talked earlier. Is it going to be back again this spring? We just don't know. And having that diagnostic laboratory still at Iowa State, I mean, that's been a crucial piece in helping us come through this in a lot better shape than we went through it in 2015. Not saying that it was perfect, but, and obviously we have lost a lot of birds, but it's been relatively quiet compared to what we saw a couple of years back. Uh, boy, that's spot on. You know, we, we've always said that a foreign animal disease, look, when, you, when you're Iowa and you've got a, a, a livestock industry that's worth tens of billions of dollars of economic impact annually, when you've got, you know, tens of thousands of farmers and, and businesses that support those farmers, you know, it, involved in livestock, production in the state of Iowa, you know, anything that we can do to protect that or serve that industry is critically important. That that diagnostic lab helps manage uh, herd health and, and care for animals correctly uh, every day across the state of Iowa. But particularly when we're talking about a foreign animal disease, that lab becomes critically important. Unfortunately, as you said, we're, we're dealing with IPATH and, and Foreign animal diseases are always a, a, a threat, but we clearly have elevated risk right now because, yes, we're dealing with high path again, but also don't forget African swine fever is in the Dominican Republic and Haiti. It's in our backyard. And so uh, that just reminds us that, yes, this is an ever-present threat. Unfortunately, uh, we did just announce this week that we have had yet another uh, positive turkey site for high path. Um, you know, none of us frankly expected to see new cases in January. Unfortunately, here we are. We're now at 31 cases in this last outbreak. And, you know, we have to give a lot of credit, as you mentioned, with African swine fever over in the Dominican Republic and, and things like that. I mean, we've relied heavily on USDA and border agents to do that. I mean, just coming back from Brazil, I yeah. got the second, third, and fourth degree on <laughs> saying I was by farms and as well, did you bring boots? How did you keep your feet clean? Did you do this and that? And it is a very extensive uh, question and answer. And then there are beagles running around sniffing you while you're while you're answering these questions. And so it's a very real thing. But we obviously have been stepping it up to try to prevent that as well. We have been. And those folks, our Customs and Border Protection, deserve a ton of credit for the work that they do. APHIS and USDA for the work that they do every day. You know, it's almost comforting, isn't it? it yes, it slows you down as you're entering the country. But you know, I've been on lots of trade missions. And uh, as you say, I don't mind being pulled over and asked those questions because at least I know that people are looking. And if I've been on a farm, I want to make sure that that I'm going through the same protocols. And, and those are critically important. Of course, what we're trying to do is keep, uh, you know, materials that can carry those viruses on them. And so in this case, we're watching for meat products that could be coming in from countries of concern that could carry, uh, you know, ASF in particular. But uh, it it's the, here's the challenge. That's got to work every single day, every time, and that is hard work. It's just like the biosecurity that we have to see on our farms every day. Uh, the same applies to those points of entry into the country. Now, as we're talking, it's obviously five degrees and wind chills of God knows what, but, you know, we were hoping for some of that cold temperature to maybe slow down, you know, the, the bird flu and the HPAI. You know, it's been a relatively mild winter up until this point. I mean, are we are we thinking that we're going to see some of those slowdowns? What do you think we're going to see? I mean, obviously, if we were if we knew this, we'd be in a different tax bracket. But I mean, are we are we hoping that that's going to be the case if we have these cold snaps? You know, 
it is we're, we're learning a lot and we're continuing to figure out what's happening here. So uh, by and large, of course, we know that the virus is being carried by wild birds. We also know that many of those birds are migrating. And so it's very logical that when they move north, they're carrying it with them. Uh, in 2015, they got over it over the summer. And when they came south, that we didn't see the reoccurrence. This year, unfortunately, this this virus is clearly different. It's acting differently. It has, it has survived in that population. Uh, it is surprising, I have to say. I didn't anticipate that we'd be seeing this kind of activity again in the uh, in the winter months. I suspect it's got to do with resident geese and, and migratory birds that, in fact, didn't migrate. They stayed and they found open water. Uh, of course, uh, weather can continue to drive those birds south. But I think there's the bigger issue of how are they still distributing that virus and what can we do to further enhance our biosecurity to keep those birds out? Because one thing we know for sure is those they're all going to turn around and come back. And uh, this spring, we need to be on heightened alert again. So, you know, I don't know all the answers to this, but there's a lot of questions that are being researched. And for, for us, the last positive in Iowa was December, uh, December 11th, 12th in there. And then we've just had another reoccurrence. So we'd had a break. Uh, we, we thought we might be through the woods. Uh, clearly we're not. All right. Well, as we get ready to wrap up here in, in for the month of January, what are the things do farmers need to be cognizant of here as we go into that last partial week of January and already start entering February? Yeah, you know, again, we're, we're all full speed ahead on spring, right? It sounds crazy to say that, but I, I'm thinking a lot about, and we're continuing to see a lot of workforce challenges, folks, making, you know, do we have the people that we need to go to the field to get all, all the work done this spring? And of course, I think supply chain uh, disruptions and longer lead times will continue to be uh, the great challenge for us. But, uh, you know, I, I remain optimistic this year. We've got high input prices and some of those challenges and in, impact of inflation and higher interest rates and all those things. Uh, but uh, demand for the things that we produce continues to be strong and prices uh, you know, hanging in there accordingly. So those things are essential. I worry that we're at some point have a cliff that we'll fall off of, uh, but folks really need to be thinking ahead and managing risk. And the other thing that we're really thinking a lot about, and now's the time to really get ramped up on this, is we're going to be writing a farm bill this year. We won't, uh, the Congress will, but uh, we'll be weighing in on that. And so folks really should be paying attention and watching for those things to hit the news now of uh, farm bill hearings. And it's critically important that we get one done this year and that Iowa's interests are well represented. Well, we won't be long, and we'll be having our February monthly chat, and I think that'll be a good place for us to start as to what kind of things Iowa wants to see in that farm bill. And uh, we appreciate your time, as always, Secretary, for uh, kind of giving us an update of what things are going on. I look forward to that. It'll be a, a good set of topics to talk about. And, and to you, welcome home. I'm, I'm glad you had a good trip down south. Definitely was eye-opening. That again was Iowa Ag Secretary Mike Nag on Weekend Ag Matters. We're going to take a short break. Mark Magnuson will be back in to wrap up the show next. Welcome to January and the beginning of the new year. While we don't know for sure what 2023 will bring, we always need to do our best to be prepared. The same holds true when you're traveling in winter conditions. Make sure you're always aware of the weather forecast, as winter weather can change in the blink of an eye or vary greatly between regions. And be certain of what conditions you may face throughout your route. You can always check conditions across the state by calling 511 on your phone or downloading the Iowa 511 app. This message on winter driving safety is from your friends at the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network.
Welcome back to Weekend Ag Matters. Here's Mark Magnuson. In segment three of Weekend Ag Matters, Russ Parker visits with the new president of the Iowa Pork Producers Association, Trish Cook. Russ had a chance to speak with Trish Cook at the recent Iowa Pork Congress in Des Moines. So we're at the Iowa Pork Producers Convention in Des Moines, and I am with the newly elected president, Trish Cook, and we're going to have a little bit of discussion about the next 12 months and under your leadership. And maybe let's start with what are some of your goals and what do you hope to accomplish here in the, in the next year? Thanks. I'm glad to have the opportunity to talk with you today and talk about pork, what, what I love. So it's going to be an exciting. I'm really looking forward to the year ahead. Um, you know, as I'm president of Iowa Pork Producers Association, but it's a team effort. The board works really close with the staff and producers. And, and things that are top of mind for me this year as I start, I'm t- almost 24 hours into being president, but, um, you know, staying vigilant with foreign animal disease is really important to keeping biosecurity really important. We don't want to have to be concerned with disease, but we have to be concerned with it every single day. So African swine fever has decimated the pork industry in China and in Eastern Europe, and we're working closely every day with Border Patrol and things like the Beagle Brigade to just try and keep disease out of the continental United States. And all of North America, but it's already in the Dominican Republic, and even though that's an island nation, it's gotten there somehow. Um, other goals for the year, we've got some some great programs. It's really important as pork producers to be involved in our communities. Um, pork in the Pantry is a program that Iowa Pork is implementing for the springtime here where counties can donate $1,000 of pork products to a local food pantry, and that money will be reimbursed by the state. It's a great way for the whole state to get pork products, fresh meat, into the food pantries. And I've talked to a lot of food pantries in the last couple years, and that's the hardest thing for them to get their hands on is just fresh meat. They don't have a problem often with canned goods, but fresh meat is important for them to have. We were talking a little bit earlier about how important the grassroots local part of it from, from a pork producer's perspective. And you were talking about what your experience was moving up into uh, where you are now. So let, let's talk a little bit about how to get involved locally and what are you looking for in terms of people to really get engaged with the organization? I have been appreciative of our local pork producers basically since I moved into the area and my husband and I have lived where we live for 28 years. Um, it's some of our best friends I met through our pork producers organization. We went on our local pork board, and we had a lot in common with these people. We had common interests. Our livelihood was in common. But I'm on the board again now, and we've got a diverse group. We've got people who don't necessarily raise pigs, but they really love the industry. They really want to be supportive of pork. They want to work at the county fair and grill up product and let people sample and have people ask how did you make this kind of thing so the local county organizations is such a crucial way for us to just get people engaged involved and as producers to share our story with everybody at local county fairs and you know put a face with a pig farmer you know the the other thing that i'm thinking about is the relationship that the iowa pork has with the national organization and i believe uh, in yesterday's conversation you were you had some maybe some nutrition topics that you were talking about in terms of moving that agenda item up into the national pork board front and center can, uh, can you talk about 
about that a little bit? Yeah, the, the National Pork Board does have nutritionists on staff, and they have, and because they are funded by the checkoff, which is for promotion, education, and research, nutrition falls right into the category of what checkoff funds are meant for. And while some checkoff funds come to the state, a lot of the checkoff funds do stay with National Pork Board, and they will fund things to learn more about the relationship between what we eat and what is the effect on our longevity and life and, and health. Okay, so we know that the product, the end product, is really what represents all of the work behind that. So let's maybe talk about some of the promotion part that we're doing here in Iowa for pork products. Right. Promotion is is key. We want people to have great products in their hands to try. Um, At the national level, which has also come into Iowa, they did a really big promotion in the last two years with ground pork, getting new placement in the meat counters and moving some products that were not meat-based out of the area and putting them in the freezer section. And they've seen a dramatic increase in the purchase and consumption of ground pork. I actually was at a promotion one time. We were in Washington, D.C. We were just grilling pork burgers and handing them out as free samples. And somebody asked me if this was a new product. So it just showed at the time that it was not readily available in the meat cases in, in the area that they lived. It's, it's a story of education that, you know, all of us in agriculture really need to be moving that forward. So, Trisha, did I miss anything? Is there anything else that you wanted to uh, chat about? No, I appreciate the time today, and I just, I always tell people, when people ask me what I do for a living, I'm always proud to tell them that I'm a pig farmer. Well, I've been with Trish Cook. She is the president of the Iowa Pork Producers. Thanks so much for your time. Uh, This is Russ Parker reporting for the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network. That was Russ Parker with Iowa Pork Producers Association President Trish Cook. And that brings us to the conclusion of this week's episode of Weekend Ag Matters. Thank you for tuning in. You can listen to this episode and all of past episodes of Weekend Ag Matters by going to the podcast tab on iowaagnet.com. For Dustin Huffman, Riley Smith, and Russ Parker, I'm Mark Magnuson. Thanks for joining us for Weekend Ag Matters. Don't forget to tune in to next week's episode as well here on the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network, where Iowa Ag Matters.